Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Okay, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we have the opportunity to talk with Sam Russell, the founder of The Buttered Biscuit. Also joining us today, we have Hunter Kissinger. Hunter is the director of operations for the restaurant chain. The Buttered Biscuit is a rare example of a company that was founded as a kingdom-driven enterprise. Often when a concept or of a faith-based company comes up in discussion, even believers are hard-pressed to describe what that would look like in real life, so to speak. And we're going to take a dive into the story of the Buttered Biscuit and discover an example of how a company can be excellent and operate in alignment with the interests of the kingdom. So welcome to the program, guys. It's great to have you here. Give us a description of what the Buttered Biscuit is. Obviously, it involves biscuits, I would assume, but for the general audience, they probably have no idea what I'm talking about here. So give us a little bit of a background, a little bit of description here so we know what kind of a company we're talking about. So the Butter Biscuit is short. Some people clothe the naked. Some people house the homeless. We feed the hungry. We do it with handcrafted biscuits. Awesome. Fresh made gravy, uh, cage-free eggs. Like you walk into the Butter Biscuit and if you have dietary preferences of gluten-free, you can get pancakes that are gluten-free, waffle that are gluten-free, biscuits of gravy that are gluten-free. That's just on the gluten-free side. We have acai bowls from the West Coast. We have shrimp Cajun Benedicts from Louisiana. We have scrambles from the Midwest. We've got biscuits and gravy that I will put up against any biscuit (laughs) and gravy in the entire country. These biscuits are famous. Like they are two and a half inches tall, made with real butter. Um, It's incredible to watch our bakers get in there at 430 in the morning to make biscuits, make fresh gravy, hollandaise sauce from scratch a lot of restaurants that we do competition with all use bagged and pre-made food we went out and found the best vendors we possibly could and we do it from scratch on site Um, our coffee supplier is we partner with a local company called onyx they're an amazing company that both ethically sources their bean but also has some of the highest quality standards in the industry and it further is uh it further emphasizes our focus on what food means to feed the hungry. The Butter Biscuit itself is a company that believes that culture is paramount. People are the purpose, people before profit. When my wife and I founded the company in 2017, it was after I had an 11 year career with the CPG company and branding corporate strategy. She had, she's a third generation entrepreneur. She saw a need in the Bentonville community in Northwest Arkansas to say, hey, let's start a breakfast restaurant. I was a little hesitant at the beginning. But quickly, um, within a matter of a couple of minutes, I realized like my job in this specific role was to support her with this knowledge and skills that I had and could bring to the table. She's still primary shareholder, 51%. 
Um, she's the boss. <laughs> we great. now, uh, it, it's fun because we get to joke and laugh about this now that we've significantly exceeded her imagination, her, her wildest dreams of what this could become. We've got four stores and a food truck. We've got over 125 employees. We gross over $5 million a year. And we have some professional restaurant staff on board, but it's all built on the X, on what we wanted to build this brand on, which is serve the community, feed the hungry, do it with high quality food and hire people that have character versus just capability. So we can talk about this, Jonathan, but our secret sauce is really we built a culture around five key components of honesty, ownership, care, excellence, and positivity. We have some definitions that attract each one of those. Right. But ultimately what we say is that to make food and to be transparent and honest about that means that I want to be able to talk about both our origin story, but also where the food came from. I want the, the, the coordination and building of relationship with my wife to be the central focus with me, her and God on a mission to open a business that loves and cares for the community and feeds the hungry. And the food is an avenue that allows us to get to the people's lives and do something really special with them. Oh, that's exciting. I hear a real kingdom distinctive in there around your vision and really admire the intentionality that you guys put into this. And that intentionality comes through not only at the vision level, but in the operational level. And I believe that's what really makes this possible. The outcomes you're seeing in your company and the quality of workplace experience that your employees are having. And Hunter, I'd like to bring you into the conversation with this. And you're the uh, operations director and you have a key role really in seeing this played out in a tangible way in the company. And I'd like to hear your story. I know you have... Uh, quite a background in sports and I, it's curious to me like how you end up in the restaurant world so maybe unpack your story your journey a little bit here and let our audience know how did you end up doing this yeah great question i was actually talking with one of my college teammates this past week and he was like man i just it blows my mind that you you're in restaurant like how did you get <laughs> here and um i, I mean I'll, I'll get through that but yeah i, I played um college sports um, played Louisiana Monroe and had desire to play um, professionally um, and was training to do all that. And God was really working in my heart through those later years, um, especially as I trained for the NFL. You know, transfer, transformation is something they talk about a lot um, in the Christian world. And I actually got to see my body go through that when I was training for the NFL physically. And so, um, yeah, went to the NFL, ended up getting injured. And, um, I was recently married right before that too, and decided to hang up my cleats and, um, really use what God had taught me in my later years through my college experience and really honing in on my identity. I wanted to give that back to the next generation. And so I started working with fellowship of Christian athletes and, um, was trying to create an environment the same way that athletes train physically for them to do that spiritually. And, in a space where they were, they felt safe and comfortable and it's someone that they could relate to. So after college, I worked with um, high school athletes and college athletes here at the university of Arkansas and walked alongside them. I did that with FCA for three years, had a lot of individual meetings, a lot of group meetings, um, got to speak to a lot of um, high school and uh, football teams 
and um, eventually transitioned to another nonprofit called Men Sharpening Men. And um, for the main reason, discipleship was my heart. And I really wanted to um, be able to invest in people and um, get into their life story, be a part, not because um, it was something I always desired whenever I was in that stage of life to have somebody that, you know, I could come and be honest with, but also would speak truth to me. And so I worked for four years doing that. And actually that's when I crossed paths with Sam. Um, Sam was a part okay. of the, the ministry called Men Sharpening Men. And um, we had been in a, a, a group together at I think six o'clock in the mornings through a, a friend of ours that I also worked alongside with at Men Sharpening Men. And so we had connected there and probably been doing that for a year together uh, along some lines, but I'm an Android guy. So in the group text, I was never a part of it um, because they all had iPhones and nobody wants the bubbles to change. Right. And um, but one day Sam was at that meeting and said, Hey, I'm going to go share the gospel with one of our line cooks brothers. And uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm the guy that's in full-time ministry. I should probably go walk alongside him, but I've never really engaged with Sam on a personal level. And, um, when he said that I didn't even tell him in the meeting, but I felt this pull in my spirit to go be present. he was like, man, I'm going to McDonald's. So I, uh, I got in my truck and I drove to the, I Googled McDonald's and went to the first McDonald's that I could find. There was nobody there. So I was like, well, maybe it's not this one. There's, there's another one just a mile away. So I went and checked out the other one. At that point, I was like, man, I'm going to drive. We're in Bentonville. I'm going to drive to Fayetteville and just go to work. Um, but I just felt this pull in my spirit once again to um, to be present that morning. Didn't know what was going to transpire. Just knew that there was something pulling me to be at that McDonald's. So I went to three McDonald's before I finally <laughs> found Sam's truck. And I uh, walk in and the guy that he was supposed to meet with didn't show up. And um, so me and Sam sat down and we just start having a conversation and we start asking each other questions, you know, I'm like, Sam, you know, had the butter biscuit, you know, the same question you asked, how did you get to where you were? And so we're kind of getting to know one another. And through that, um, as we get to know one another, he finds out I'm from Springdale and he's like, man, we're about to open up a butter biscuit in Springdale. Um, we're talking through location and where they're going to put the new location and really just processing what's relevant in each other's lives in that moment. Um, and he asked, you know, how I got into ministry. And so I start sharing that story. Um, and long story short, by the, you know, we, we kind of discovered that we had some similarities and passion. Um, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. And so we kind of started talking about entrepreneurs. And he basically gives me this pitch like, Hunter, I'm looking for uh, somebody with a pastor's heart. I can teach you the skill. Do you want to open up our Springdale store? Wow. And I'm, I'm kind of blown away at this point, you know, like what? I just getting a job offer. Like I knew that I was supposed to be here this morning, but I thought we were, uh, you know, I thought we were going to share the gospel with this young man and um, that was going to transpire. But um, Sam actually offered me to be a uh, lead at Springdale store. And um, I still don't know exactly why he asked me to do that. Um, all I know is um I, he was like, Hey, come into the restaurant next week and see if this is something that you want to be a part of. And, uh, so I went, I, I literally left that meeting, called my wife and was like, you're not going to believe what happened. And she's like, man, you're not going to believe what happens. She had another, just kind of a spiritual experience that morning with the Lord. And our desire had always been for her to be able to stay at home. And this felt like it was an answered prayer. 
And wow. so we really leaned into that um, and went and checked out the butter biscuit. And I walked in and Sam's like, come in on a weekend. We're really busy and um, check it out. And y'all walk in and just being around the people and being a part of the team just immediately captivated me. Um, yeah. Cause that was what was familiar for me being in sports is I walked in every day and I was a part of a team to accomplish a common goal. And restaurant is that 100%. Yeah. You know, you have different players, you have different positions, you have different things like that. And I just began, I used to tell people once I got into it, once I made that decision, yeah, I'm, I, I want to do this, Sam. And we opened up Springdale together. Um, I played linebacker and the restaurant world is very similar. You find a <laughs> gap and you fill it. Like you just need to know the game. It's a different scheme. Yeah. It's a different field. Um, but the components and the fundamentals are still the same. Um, and so it just seemed a natural fit from the fast pace to the, the team orientation to all those things. And I remember our first meeting at Springdale, Sam was like, Hey, who in here has restaurant experience? And my whole team raised their hand. I'm like, Sam, why'd you have to ask that question? Why did you just expose me? And I'm the only one that didn't raise my hand. And, um, I was grateful that the team responded well to that. I think, you know, I didn't know anything about the industry, but I knew people. And Sam and them definitely taught me a lot of skills, but not just them. The people that we hired taught me a lot about how the restaurant world operates. And so we opened up Springdale and, um, man, we went all in on it. And 45 days in the pandemic happens. Wow. So, you know, definitely got thrown into the fire. Um, But it was really easy for me to walk through the fire knowing how the Lord led me to this relationship with Sam and Anna and the Buttered Biscuit. Um, because it was so clear that yeah. this is where I was supposed to be. And what a beautiful time to actually enter into the restaurant world, because during the pandemic, we had to furlough a lot of people. Wow. And I got to be in that space where people were hurting, where there was a lot of fear that was present in people. And, um, you know, we furloughed a lot of people, but we found them jobs elsewhere. And so anyway, that's kind of how I got yeah. into the buttered biscuit. And um, from there, we just continued to, you know, um, love on people. And, um, I think, you know, as far as my progression within the company, it just came from, you know, I think I got promoted because Sam was out of town. Something's going on the ice street. Can you go check it out? And I went to check it out and, you know, um, I don't even think he, he realizes this, but I went and solved the problem. And then I came back a week later and he's like, Hey Hunter, you're going to be our next area manager. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, sounds good. But, um, Anyway, that's how I got yeah. with the Butter Biscuit. It's been a beautiful journey since. So that's I was really amazing. captivated by the vision that Sam and Anna casted um, from the beginning. And my heart was discipleship. And he basically put discipleship in my job offer. And I was like, man, uh, this is a place where I get to truly be me. I get to love on people. And I'm not you know, criticized for taking you know, maybe 30 minutes to meet a need with an employee's heart. Um rather than being focused on the operation. And um, so it's been a beautiful journey since. You know, when you're sharing both you guys, I hear a lot of kingdom, what I call kingdom distinctives in your story, even in the why and the vision of the company and how you guys lead, how you influence, uh, what you're about on a daily basis. You know, uh, one of the distinctives I'm, I'm hearing is this really a redemptive environment and a people driven, the value of, the value of people really drive the operation, uh, whether it's internal or external. So as you're doing this redemptive corporate culture at the company, you know, how does this 
play out for your team members, like for your staff, your employees? And then how does that affect the customer experience? Because very few people put work or value into a redemptive life-giving environment. And it's really obvious that it affects your employees and it draws some quality employees as well from my observation. Well, let me start because I think um, it's fun to hear, always fun to hear Hunter kind of retell the origin Genesis story <laughs> of his great. time. It makes me chuckle because, you know, Jonathan, we want the, um, we want the redemptive nature of our business to be felt, not said. Yeah. And to the outside world, if you sit down and spend an hour really working with somebody to help them understand their purpose and, and, and significance in life, that's what we're really all about. And I love asking the question to our managers, um, who were you able to have the best conversation with this week? It's not a spiritual question, but ultimately by asking that question, I'm asking them to go deeper, go deeper into our team members, go deeper into the lives of our staff, um, go deeper into, into our guests' lives. And one of the core elements that we, we have built into everything from like top to bottom is standardizing e-questions that drive to the, to the to more significant issues. Because if you start asking about like, you know, how does your, how's your week look? You're, you're talking about news, web, weather, and sports. You right. never really get to the heart of like, how are you feeling? Like, are you feeling overwhelmed or discouraged or um, excited? Uh, you know, what, what are the feelings that drive your actions? And then <clears throat> our training then is to take those conversations, those doors, and start walking people down a pathway of significance. And ultimately, if Christ is able to be presented through that, we can share the love of Christ in a way that's loving. And rather than coming at it from the front point or from the first time, we see a lot of people who have been really, really hurt by religion. Yeah. And more often than not, you get people who have a concept of what a true relationship with Christ looks like, but they don't understand that um, what they've experienced is actually not, I would say it's not Christ-centered uh, relationship. It's more something that's that's pretty dark. Um, right. And, you know, so we start with the premise of just seeking to love everybody, um, accepting people, um, holding them according to our company standards. And we don't weave Christian Bible verses all throughout right. our 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 context. Um, we want to be a welcoming environment that just cares and genuinely supports people in their vision and mission. Um, so, you know, I think it's exciting to have leaders like Hunter and quite frankly, our entire team has this vision of people first and how does it translate to the staff or to the guests? I think one of our key questions that we want to ask people when they come to eat at the butter biscuit is, you know, have you been here before? It's called the gateway question okay. that then allows you to either showcase or share showcase what is um, new. If you've been here before, say, Hey, we just dropped a brand new menu. We have lunch on it. We have extended Benedicts, um, you know, try our biscuit basket, whatever happens to be new or right. seasonal menu or showcase, or I'm sorry, or share, share about the mission of the company. We make everything from scratch. We want you to have an honest breakfast and inviting you into our space to feel like you're welcome. You, you can be heard, listened to and understood and, and taken seriously. And those things matter in the guests' lives because that's ultimately that same sense of identity and why we exist is really relevant when you start talking about 
you know, how we, how we build the culture in the company. Right. That makes total sense. And Hunter, you know, you as the operations guy, you're stewarding this redemptive corporate culture, this vision, you know, what does that look like for you on a daily basis in the lives of people and with your other leaders and your staff? Yeah. As I, I break this down, I think it goes down to, it starts with you. So nothing can be, you know, passed on to somebody else that doesn't originate within you as a person. And so a lot of it is holding ourselves to a higher standard and how we do things. And that comes from one of the things I was really attracted to prior to coming to the Butter Biscuit was one of the employees said, oh, man, the owner was in here last week doing dishes. Wow. And so I think that servanthood mentality of, man, there's not a job in this restaurant that I'm above. There's not a, a role that I won't play. I promise to be present. And right. I think, you know, the redemptive nature that we begin to see within our own relationship with God is God doesn't promise that everything's going to be perfect. He promises that his presence will always be there. And I think as leaders, we try to, to model that is that we're going to be present. We're going to be present with you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. If it's a terrible shift, yeah. I'm going to be present at the front and you're going to, I'm going to bear the you know, I'm going to take on a lot of the, maybe the frustration from the guest or whatever it may be. I'm going to bear that. And I think that that really models kind of the redemptive nature is like when they see how you come in and you work day in and day out, you begin building a, a, a trust with these individuals. Um, one of the things I love for my team, whenever I was serving as a store manager is they knew that I was going to be the first face that they saw when they walked in every day. Right. And I got to set the tone. Um, I love being the first person there because I may only beat them there by two minutes, but <laughs> reality was, is I was going to be the first face that they saw. Yeah. And I was going to be setting them up for success. And I think, you know, you can talk about it all, but if you don't walk it out and you're not setting your team up for success, you're not building trust in the practical areas of their life. If you're not bringing peace to the operation rather yeah. than chaos, then everything else you say, um, just, it doesn't hold the same way. So uh, I think a lot of it is we start out by we putting in the work to set our team up for success. Yeah. And, um, once we get there, now we can hit the next level of actually having an opportunity to speak into people's lives because we've built margin. First off, um, I don't have time to be present with you. If I don't have all of our food prepped, I don't have time to be present with our guests. If I haven't, made sure our order's proper. I don't have time to do all of these things if I don't manage my time right. efficiently and effectively. So I think it starts with, you know, you have to have a good operation. And then as you build that, it doesn't have to be perfect. They just have to know that you're working towards that and that you're, they have a voice. But one of the things I hear most from our, our leaders now that I've, because I went from a store to now managing our leaders and is, it's good to hear their feedback of how they view you and see you. And mm. one of the things they talk about is, man, you're always present. So like when we're having a meeting, I'm there to listen. Right. I'm there to be present with you. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not engaged in the operation. I'm here with you in this moment. And I think that matters a lot to people. They, they want to be, you know, listened to taken seriously, accepted and understood. Yeah. Um, and as you're present with people, opportunities always come up to to speak into to be present with them sometimes it's not speaking into sometimes it's just staying there and giving them the opportunity to share something that's very 
um, that matters to them. And so we've built a lot of our structure on specifically training our leaders on our, our manager meetings and how we set the tone in that. And, you know, Sam gave me the agenda for that. And we basically broke it down into four categories that we consider the pillars of the buttered biscuit. So Sam was like, Hey, we need meetings for our managers. And I'm like, all right, it's got to start with our brand card because that's who we are. Right. So we start with culture. Culture is the first thing we talk about because we believe that to be the most important. And we train our leaders eyes on seeing the good in people. Hey, tell me this week who resembled honesty. Tell me this week who um, modeled ownership. Tell me this week who modeled excellence. Tell me this week who modeled positivity, who showed care. And so we start right there. And because it's so easy for us to get bogged down into things and our eyes naturally see the bad. So we have to train our eyes to see the good in people. And that's how we start our manager meetings. And we'll go through and we'll ask our team members the same questions. Um, Hey, who have you seen model these things? It's really cool to hear their feedback because they're working shoulder to shoulder with people every day. But that's how we start our manager meeting is right there in culture. Yeah. And then we get into the numbers and the things that do impact because it's not just seeing the good in people. If you have really bad ticket times and (laughs) guests are waiting on food and the team is back there just feeling like they're trying to, you know, climb Mount Everest um, with all the the tickets that are hanging in the window, that's not good for culture either. So we have to have good operations. And I think that brand card really helps you ask how it translates to the guests is we, we always start with, you know, holding ourselves accountable. And if it's a bad shift, we as leaders take it. Yeah. Um, we own it. So how we structure our management meetings and how we, how we deal with our own selves really allows it to translate to the guests because naturally that permeates into the team permeates into your guest. We've had enough experience now to, to, to figure out what it takes to have a successful operation. But our team will often talk about, we talk about margin a lot. Okay. You don't have margin. It's really hard to love somebody. I've heard it said by John Mark Comer. He's like, um, if we live in a constant state of hurry, it's actually an opposition of love. And so hmm. how do we build a day? How do we build, you know, our day to where we're not constantly hurried, which yeah. is really hard in the restaurant industry. Right. And so we try to push back on a lot of the things that keep us from doing what we actually love and what we want to do. And we have to do that ourselves. You know, Sam will often call me and say, Hey Hunter, where are you at in this? Or yeah. you had a really busy season. Like I want you to, to take a day off because heart health is the, you know, essential to doing all of these things well. And so we check where people are at and check ourselves and where we're at, which I tell Sam, it's like, I need, we need leaders that will look in the mirror. If you can't look in the mirror, this isn't the right space for you because um, we're going to constantly examine and self-awareness is just important to be able to maintain a culture like this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, getting into an operation like this, Sam, maybe you had the first encounter with this aspect of starting a, uh, really a kingdom enterprise like this, it can't have been easy in all ways. I mean, these things are always a fight, always a challenge. So if someone hears this and they're like, wow, it sounds like this is great. This, you know, I could do this tomorrow, you know, but like what, what are some of the, like the real challenge aspects or the areas that you found to be the hardest with standing this up, like with really developing this vision, were there unique uh, roadblocks or icebergs that were floating around that you could run into or you did, or uh, maybe you observed, like, what did that look like the hard aspect of this? 
Yeah, so I think there are there's some practical challenges that are engaged in any business. And you I can almost separate those from the spiritual kingdom side. So some of those are going to be like securing financing, making sure you have a business concept that actually meets the needs of your, your community, um, making sure you're not getting ripped off by your staff and setting those policies in place, finding the key vendors who are going to do what they're going to do, what they say they're going to do and do it consistently. Uh, those are all, those are going to be pretty unique. I'm sorry, pretty standard across every business. Okay. Um and there's certainly challenges and that, that, that I would say is the toil of what it means to actually be running a business and in this post, you know, post fall or in this fall condition that we're in. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that different than anybody else. Um, as an entrepreneur, you just have to buck up and figure out a way through it and keep rolling. Yeah. I think the spiritual kingdom component is all about self-identity. It's all about my mine and my wife's rooting in who we are as believers and where our identity is, 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 is located early on being in the corporate world for a decade. I was a Christian. I was, you know, um, really engaged in my local church, but I never talked about it at work because it wasn't popular. I knew that it was a net negative for me to bring up my spiritual faith in the corporate environment. I had to be incredibly politically correct, savvy in how I talked about things. Part of it was because I didn't have a strong enough identity in my own heart of like what really is the what really matters in life, and I quite selfishly wanted to continue to get promoted, so I kind of kept my mouth shut. It was probably about a couple of months into opening the business as I was having some of these conversations with our staff. I came home one day and I was like, Anna, I'm really excited, but I'm also really nervous because I know I can't get fired for talking about the gospel but I'm not used to being able to go as far in sharing the gospel with people who openly want to hear about it because I've never practiced it. And this is when I got involved in men sharpening men and it's a discipleship. They have one for women. It's called sharpening ministries. Um, And it's a boot camp for teaching people how to engage when everyday conversations to draw their identity first with God but then also how does it start to correlate to other people? Right. And as I went through that material and then became even more involved with it, it started grounding me and like, why are we even sucking oxygen? Like what is the purpose <laughs> for why we're here? And what started out as a very kingdom centric ideal uh, image of like, Hey, we're going to use our talents for the best of God's glory. Like, you know, very high minded, it allowed us to start putting it into much more practical language of how we engage with our employees. Fast forward to two different incidents that happened over the last 18 months. One was, well, two years, COVID was a big one. And how do you lovingly tell somebody that they're laid off? How do you lovingly support them and walk alongside them with all the fear that's out there? And I think that by separating the business function from the human function, is saying like we empathize with this challenging time that you're going through. And at Sam and Anna, we want to help you. We want to help you find other jobs. We want to get you signed up for unemployment as quickly as possible. We want to make this as easy of a process. But recognizing that as much humanly I want to do to compassionately love them as a Christ follower, the business has zero money and no ability to help them. 
And separating these two things actually gave us um, the ability to to love them better and protect the company and keep it in business for 2023. Okay. The other one was when we had a incredibly, and I'm not going to go into the details, a very um, vicious personal attack against myself. And then it ultimately ended up attacking our company and really the motives of our business were really called into question. And Hunter and I had a lot of really good times of conversation and scriptures are really encouraging to say like, what is my real identity and why do we exist? What is our mission? And it, and it's because we were attacked because people hated our mission or seeking to love everyone. And we had chose to make a catering event. Um, Again, I'm not really going to go into the details, but we chose to make a catering event of some people that um, were kind of identified as being um, taboo. And we went ahead and did it. We have the vision that the buttered biscuit is here to serve food and feed the hungry. Everyone like we, we don't draw my Christian virtue or my Christian moral guidance isn't about a political direction. Right. It's about what I believe is is my identity in Christ and understanding that identity of saying, like, I choose to love everyone because of my identity in Christ will mean that certain people will not like that I love everyone. Yeah. And because we choose to serve 100% of the population, not 50% of the population. And, you know, I think that's really damn Like some people can really get upset about it, but then ultimately we know that we're being authentic to the calling of Christ on our life and to love everyone who comes through our doors and chooses to work for us. Um, and we, we, we apply a very equal standard of measurement, regardless of what your, you know, your, your background may be, your beliefs may be. Right. And Hunter, you may have a couple of thoughts as well, but um, I'd say it really comes down to the identity in Christ. And I think over time, as you're tested, your, your, um, your muscles grow and you can, you can gain perspective and, and really put to practice what you're learning. So what are the areas that you've run into that are like the hardest um, areas to push forward on over their hidden reefs, roadblocks that you ran into in this process and this journey? So, yeah, piggybacking off of Sam um, and what I heard, I'm just reflecting what I heard Sam say is really self-examination. It's really hard to look in the mirror and identify the things of yourself that aren't beneficial to those that you're leading. That is also paired with exposure. When you're in a situation of leading, things get exposed. Um, you're, you're constantly like, if I'm not properly equipped and I show up late, I'm exposed to my team, right? If I'm, you know, so there's there's co- consistent exposure that's going to lead to significant self-examination. And it's hard to go into the depths within yourself and kind of work through that. And I think that's where your identity in Christ, you know, really begins because we realize I remember on a mother's day, which is like one of the biggest days of the year for us, it was a terrible experience. (laughs) We totally botched it for our guests. Right. Oh man. I mean, I, yeah, it was humiliating, embarrassing. I mean, all the words you want to put into it, we botched it. And I remember the next day I was at Sam and Anna's house and um, we're talking about it. And I was like, man, I'm grateful that my identity is not in the buttered biscuit because if it was, that was enough to do me in, you know? And so I think the hardest part is, is kind of like that self-examination and also exposure that you have to deal with 
because it takes a lot, a, a big toll on self and you realize you're not strong enough to carry it. So there has to be a level of humility to, you know, lean into the Lord, lean into those that are around you. And our natural instinct as humans is to isolate and to, and, and we've got to rebel against that. Just the consistent process of having to lean into a relationship with God and other is, is the most challenging. And, you know, we've talked about this, uh, we we're in this for the people, but you know, the hardest thing about the business is the people. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you talk about what we get into and the hardest part about all of this is people and myself included, because relationships are tough. Relationships are challenging. I mean, all that you see in the world today has to do with relationship and how we relate to one another. Yeah. And then you bring 30 relationships into a space because we're full service. So there's more people that are present in that. And now you have 30 people plus a hundred guests um, that are all in one space and then a leader and like the, how all of those components relate to one another. It's easy to get equipment. You know, we're earlier, we we're having technology issue, man. It wasn't that hard to fix that technology issue, but you have a relationship issue. And now it's really hard because everyone comes from a different story, right. a different space. Everyone has a different emotional capacity to navigate fear, to navigate insecurity, to navigate failure. And so how to step into those spaces where everyone is at a different emotional level and operate that in a way that reflects Jesus well, that allows the chaos that's within us all to, to come to a peaceful outcome. It's the hardest thing. We actually had to practice this last week on our corporate team. It's so hard to be honest. Wow. It's so hard to tell the truth about ourselves and then communicate that to then another. I mean, Truth telling is the hardest thing I think we'll ever find in life because of the ramifications that come when truth is spoken. Yeah. To me, the hardest thing that we deal with is literally telling the truth to ourselves and to others um, because it's really, you have to learn how to create the space for those truths to be told. It's got to be safe. And creating a safe space for those things to happen is so challenging when you're dealing with people with all different types of backgrounds and stories and emotional capacities and all of that. And so, you know, it takes a lot of people to help pour courage into you to keep on fighting and, you know, to have people around you that, you know, you may not do it well today, but the opportunity is we get to, we get to try again tomorrow. I love this. This is when people wonder what's it take to steward a real kingdom corporate culture and what's it take to, to manage that and propagate that. What I'm hearing in both of your discussions here and, and your personal stories on this, this is what it looks like. This is the hard work of doing the kingdom on a day-to-day -day basis in the space that God's trusted you with and how you're stewarding people in real life. This is this is what it really looks like. And it's tough sometimes. So even as we look at the hardship aspects and the challenges, you know, what's been the biggest joy? Like as you've gone through this process with this company, like what's jumped out as a moment of joy or something where you're like, this is the win, this, I love this, this is what I was looking for. It's the people. Yeah. Man, it is the stories of lives changed forever that just absolutely lift me up. I, you know, whether it be, um, hearing about a conversation that two guests were able to have because the environment was perfect and a mother and a daughter were able to reconcile over a plate of biscuits, whether it is a 
a coworker who sees hope in her future because now she sees that she's worth more than what her abusive childhood had told her, whether it be somebody accepts Christ um, and, and recognizes that that's a component of their, their, you know, their self-worth. Um, it, it is the people that absolutely drive me forward. And we, we like to say it's the people that make us want to risk it for the biscuit. Um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> we, we, uh, but that's the number one most satisfying thing about this role. And, you know, and then with along the, with the people, Jonathan, we get to do life with other men and women who are choosing to live an intentional life. And I think like, man, restaurants are not for the faint of heart. That hospitality <laughs> is not an easy, easy, um, easy uh, pl- uh, field to plow. But man, is it ever rewarding? Um, because these are, you know, more often than not, uh, a worker class that has been absolutely abused by society, kicked around and told that they're worth, they're worth nothing more than, um, you know, than minimum wage plus tips. Right. And, you know, I think to have the privilege of giving them dignity of work and giving them dignity of um, significance, um, it just absolutely opens the door door up for kingdom conversations. Because as you know, much as you teach and you know, kind of have have been able to identify in, in your in your work, there's something eternally significant about doing doing work and doing it well. Yeah, absolutely. Hunter, what's your joy moment, man? What's the win bin for you? Oh man, there's so many things. I think, you know, I love food, have a huge passion for food and the joy that people get from something that you crafted is a very joyful moment. I love that right now, if you walk into any of our stores, our biscuits are all just incredible. There's a lot of joy that comes from hard work and like, perfecting something and being a craftsman and learning that trade. Like I love seeing the work, you know, come to a result that brings joy to other people. I love to serve the joy of just being able to serve people really just does a lot for me personally. I think the other thing is what probably brings me, all of those things bring me joy. One, the work that you get to do, the team atmosphere, getting to do it with the team it's just, it brings me a lot of joy. I know we were launching a new menu last week and like all of our managers came together. And even when we were like on the backtrack, a couple steps, when we were first time launching this, you know, we brought in like 12 items and we had like nine managers in the kitchen and everybody's hands were moving and we were getting plates to the window, like nine people on one line is chaos. Wow. But we were just all in sync and everyone was just willing to step in and do what needed. And that just brings me a lot of joy to see how our team operates together, how they value one another. And then I think to follow that up with is two things. One is I get a lot of joy of being invited into somebody's personal life. Like when somebody invites you in and there's a bridge of trust that's built it just brings me a lot of joy. I remember there was a while back, there was a guest that comes in regularly and he came in one time downcast and his leg was just jittery. It was like he had six cups of coffee. And I got to discover that, you know, his wife left him yesterday and he's dealing with the reality of that. And he came to the buttered biscuit and, you know, we didn't, we haven't touched on this podcast, but when we kind of broke it down to what the needs of the buttered biscuit feels, we, we, we solve loneliness and we solve hunger. Because a lot of people are yeah. lonely when they come in. 
And so to be able to connect with somebody that has that experience of being there in their self and you get to, to bring them food or just interaction at some level brings me a lot of joy. And, you know, there's multiple guest experiences. I remember I was in Fayetteville one time sitting in the corner doing work on my laptop and there was a married, a couple that was getting married that day. And there was a, a lady whose daughter died and she was in town for the funeral of her daughter. And I'm, I'm a bystander just witnessing this happen within our restaurant. So one of the happiest days of a couple's life and one of the worst days of this mother who lost a child and they're interacting with one another and loving on one hmm. another in our space. Wow. And it's just a reminder of like what we do and why we do it. Um, Cause it's so easy to get lost in all the other things, but it's like moments like that where we, all we did was create space for people to connect, whether that's over food or with their stories and to see those things transpire just bring me a lot of joy. It brings a lot of purpose because, as you know, there's a lot of hard things. And sometimes you have to really pause and reflect why you're doing it. What's the purpose? What are the success stories that yeah. really remind us of what's important? I never thought that I could be as joyful in a role or in a workplace as what the Butter Biscuits offered. Man, what an inspiring operation you guys have and inspiring lives as well. Really admirable the intentionality you guys put into establishing and preserving this safe space in the kingdom of God here where people can find life. It's such a life-giving expression that Christians are doing in the community. I think it inspires other believers as well on how they could actually bless through their business, regardless of what they're doing. So thank you guys so much for your time today. And thank you for sharing your hearts on the program and uh, sharing the in-depth look at the buttered biscuit. Incredible restaurant, incredible people, incredible culture, and incredible product. So I encourage everybody to go eat there if you haven't, because they are not joking about how awesome the biscuits are. I've been there many times. So thank you guys for being on the program and uh, sharing the story. Thank you for having us, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.